Let it be so, Lord. We want to honor you. Praise God. Praise God. My friends, I'd appreciate it if you could turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 for the message. A pastor received a note, and the note said, a friend was suffering with brain cancer and its treatments. His relationship with Jesus was such that the nurse on duty wrote as a critical comment on his chart, the nurse wrote these words, Mr. X is inappropriately joyful. Mr. X is inappropriately joyful. Since then, said the writer of the note, it has been my goal to be inappropriately joyful. Uh, presumably, in that instance, the nurse could not comprehend how joy could accompany such a terrible illness as cancer and all the treatments that that dear person had been going through. It's an understandable reaction, isn't it? It encourages us to make a distinction between happiness and joy. A lot of times it's used interchangeably, but, but if we really stop and think, there, there is a difference. You see, happiness is rooted in the old Norwegian Viking word, hap, H-A-P, which meant, which meant luck or chance. And so, and so we tend to think of the pursuit of happiness as being linked to what happens to us by chance, or some would say by luck, in terms of our health, our success, possessions, whatever. Happiness is regarded largely as a spontaneous response to what we might call temporary pleasures. If things are going well, then we are said to be happy. Happiness is a sense of well-being, uh, of feeling successful and feeling safe, we might say. By contrast, joy is not primarily dependent upon everything going well in your life or mine. Joy can be experienced even when everything is not going well. We can have joy even during sickness or during bereavement or when facing financial uncertainty because of a possible loss of job or change of financial circumstances. If happiness depends a lot on what happens to us and around us, joy is distinguishable from that in as much as it shapes, it shapes joy, shapes our attitude towards our circumstances uh, and to our surroundings. So, 
where can we get this joy? Where can we get this joy that is not primarily affected by what is going on with our health and wealth and job and family and many other circumstances? Where can we get and experience this joy? Well, Galatians 5.22 tells us that we get this joy from the Holy Spirit. In the last message, last, last Sunday, I shared with you on the theme of what Canadians need is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, uh, spoken of in Galatians 5.22. And uh, today we want to continue on with this beautiful theme of what Canadians need is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And whereas last Sunday we focused on love and and spent the whole message on it. Today, we won't spend the whole message on joy, but I want us to begin with this focus on joy as Galatians 5, 22 informs us. So, to begin with today, think with me on the fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. Verse 22 says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in us, Love, won't you read the verses with me? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, if some of you might think that you know it all as you read this verse. And I hope as we further proceed in this message, you'll say, praise God, I really didn't know it all, and uh, neither you nor I will ever know it all in terms of what these verses say. This part of our Bible was originally written in Greek, and what is interesting is that the Greek word kera, C-H-A-R-A, which is translated joy, refers to a joy whose foundation is God. This, this is what the original Greek word is actually referring to. In other words, it is, it is not talking about the joy that comes from possessing earthly things or from being successful. It is not talking about the joy that comes from winning in a sports game or uh, winning in some competition. It is, it is a joy that comes from knowing the Lord. It is a joy that comes from our relationship with, with God Almighty. Now, some of this truth is captured in a verse like Psalm uh, 30, verses, uh, a couple of verses there, actually, Psalm 30, verses 11 and 12, which, which say this. Why don't you read the verses with me? You, referring to God, have taken away my clothes and mourning and clothed me with joy that I might sing praises to you and not be silent. And then we have another verse like Romans 14, 17. Read it out loud with me. which says, I am convinced of this, so I will continue with you so that you will grow and experience the joy of your faith. And we have another verse, Romans 14, 
17, uh, okay, I'm sorry, Philippians uh, 1, 25 is up on the screen there. I am convinced of this, so I will continue with you so that you will grow and experience the joy of your faith. All right? Or the version that's up there, read it together. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. In the Holy Spirit. Now, I am very aware that there are many different people, factors, and things that can bring you and me a lot of joy. Isn't that true? That, is, of course, is true. For, for example, one day after supper this week, my wife and I took our five-year-old little grandson, Yanni, and our two-year-old granddaughter, Everly. Uh, we took them simply across the road to the park to play, to play uh, kick the ball and catch the ball before their parents put them to bed. And they get them to bed rather early. And as I watched, as I watched that little girl chase after the ball, almost like a little chipmunk chases after some peanuts, I couldn't help, I couldn't help but experience joy watching Everly run and, and grab the ball and then kick it back, kick it back to, to us. And I've had experiences where sometimes if uh, I run after the ball that she's after, if I get to it before she gets to it, she'll say, mine, mine, my ball, my ball. And of course, those little incidences bring my wife and I a lot of joy. There are many things in your life and mine that can bring us joy or happiness, but ultimately, what I hope you and I will be impacted by is the great news that the Holy Spirit wants to bring a deep-seated joy into our lives. All right, are you with me? A deep-seated joy in our lives so that whether or not everything is going well in your life, there is a, there is a foundation of joy in the midst of what sometimes seems rubble. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is joy. Lord, let it happen. Let it happen in the lives of our people gathered here in the sanctuary at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene on the main level, up the balcony. Lord, bring about through the Holy Spirit the fruit of joy in the lives of our radio and internet listeners. This is our prayer, Lord, our heart's desire. Let's go to our second truth today, very straightforwardly from the Scripture. Secondly, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is peace. Verse 22 says the Holy Spirit produces peace. There's another verse, second, uh, it's actually 2 Thessalonians 3.16, it says, read it with me. All right, let me just read it for you. It says, now may the Lord of peace give you his peace 
at all times and in every situation. So say it again. Now may the Lord of peace give you his peace at all times and in every situation. All right. What are some of the ways in which you and I can better experience this peace from and through the Holy Spirit? Well, for anyone making notes, you might want to put A, A. This peace comes from getting right with God. All right? This peace comes from getting right with God. Romans 5.1 says, read it with me, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. How can a person have peace with God? By having faith, by you and I having faith that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and mine. That's what Romans 5.1 says, which we just read. Question, do you have, do you have faith in Jesus. If you do, great, wonderful, we rejoice. If not, I invite you to begin today to put your faith in Jesus. And when you put your faith in Jesus, Romans 8.1 says, there is no condemnation, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. What that means is that as you have asked for forgiveness of your sins and put your faith in Jesus, you do not have to live with unnecessary guilt. You don't have to live with guilt. God is not condemning you. Enjoy the peace that comes from getting right with God through faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? This peace comes from getting right with God. If you're making notes, point B. This peace also comes from doing, from doing what is right in the eyes of God. Psalm 119, verse 165 says, those who love your law have great peace. Say it with me. Those who love your love, your law, referring to God's law, love, have peace. Have peace. Uh, now I'm sure that all of you have discovered that when you do what is right, you have peace. Isn't that right? If you, if you do something which is uh, shady, not that you would, but if ever you do something that is shady or totally wrong, you have anything but peace. I'll give you a little example of my own. I spend a lot of time, uh, so does Pastor Lisa, I spend a lot of time visiting in hospitals people who are sick and have surgeries, and prolonged illnesses. We pastors normally visit to encourage, 
to read scripture and, and pray with dear people in the hospitals and in seniors' homes and elsewhere. Now, most of the hospitals, most of the hospitals charge us pastors for parking just as they charge anyone else. And it gets expensive, to be honest with you. There are a few hospitals, however, that look upon us pastors as, as hospital support staff. And with proper identification, they do not charge us for parking. Some time ago, I had a, a personal, I had a personal medical appointment in one of the hospitals, which does not charge us pastors for parking. In other words, I, I wasn't there to see and pray for someone else. I was there solely for my own personal medical appointment. After I finished my appointment in that hospital, I, I was so used to following the normal procedure at that location, I was so accustomed to following my normal procedure to not have to pay for parking that, uh, that I started. I started into the procedure for free parking, but I didn't feel, I didn't feel at peace. I stopped partway through the procedure and I said to myself, you ever say things to yourself? You speak to yourself? Yes? I said to myself, Nicholas? That's what I call myself when I'm not pleased with myself. <laughs> I said to myself, Nicholas, you are here today for your own medical appointment. You are not here for someone else. Nicholas, you need to pay for parking just like any other person who has come for a medical appointment. So then I went to the machine joyfully and paid for my parking and left. And suddenly I had peace once again. Amen. My friends, uh, I'm not perfect, I'm not perfect, but I, I have found that peace in, the, in and through the little things and the big things of life, I found that peace comes from doing what is right in the eyes of God. And you have found that also, haven't you? Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, for those of you making notes, point C, as we think of the fruit of the Holy Spirit being peace, point C is this. This peace comes from doing your best to live in peace with other people. Romans 12, verse 18, read it with me. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And some of you are thinking, I don't know that I like that verse, Pastor Nick. <laughs> it says do all that you can to live in peace with everyone, with everyone. Some of you are thinking, I wish you didn't include this verse, Pastor Nick, because there are some people who drive me crazy. Isn't that true? 
Thank you for you honest ones. <laughs> right? But think upon that verse. It, uh, it hits us. It hits us where it should hit us, doesn't it? And Romans 14, 19 says, and Eunice said, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Some of your translations might say something like, so then let us aim for peace in the church and seek to build one another up. Right? Right. Here's another verse. 1 Peter 3, second part of verse 11. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting? It says, work to maintain it. You know, there's a sense in which the fruit of the Spirit is peace, and the Lord is a way of creating that peace within us, but at the same time, the Scripture also tells us to what? Work to maintain it. So it tells us that you and I have times when we have to really put effort into it, don't we? I mean, I have to work. I have to work really hard to maintain peace with Dr. Lisa Autar. <laughs> come here, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> so, so do I. So do I, says the mother, says the mother. Uh, well, well, I don't know about the mother. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> well, seeing as how last week someone thought we were husband and wife. <laughs> 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 one, one of those verses said, build each other up. <laughs> you missed that verse, girl. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? That, the verse says, work to maintain it. Work, work to maintain peace. Um, yeah, the only reason I, I said I have to really work hard to maintain peace with Dr. Lisa was to get a rise out of her. Because, because the good news is, the good news is, uh, I don't want you looking up at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you, here, you, I'll, I'll go down. You can look down uh, at me, okay? No. no, the good news is, the good news is, honestly, I can say this, I really don't have to work hardly at all to maintain peace with Pastor Lisa. Isn't that good? That's good. Yeah. And she's been one of our pastors here for 10 years. Isn't that marvelous? This past January, 10 years, she started as, as, a, as, a, as an intern with us. Praise God. Thank you, thank you. Uh, hi, Cal. Hi, <laughs> Cal. <laughs> no, that, that's true, Cal. It's true when I said, you know, I don't have to work hard to maintain peace with Pastor Lee. So that, that is true, Brother Cal, all right? <laughs> anyway, uh, what's our next verse? Matthew 5, 9. God blesses those who work for peace, okay? My friends, at home, at work, at school, at church, in your neighborhood, are you? Are you a peacemaker? Or are you a peace 
breaker. Which are you? Which are you? Amen? Dr. William Hendrickson says something beautiful. He says this, um, Moreover, the one who is truly conscious of this great gift of peace which he has received from God as a result of Christ's bitter death on the cross will be a peacemaker. Dr. Hendrickson talks about how you and I will live out Ephesians 4, verse 3, which says, Always keep yourselves united in the Holy Spirit. Always keep yourselves united in the Holy Spirit and bind yourselves together with peace. Isn't that beautiful? Are you a peacemaker or a peace breaker? I could write a song about that. <laughs> Point D. Point D, this, this peace comes from knowing that our times are in God's hands. Psalm 31 verse 15 says, my times are in your hands. Referring to Galatians 5.22, Dr. William Barclay says this. He says, here peace means, in Galatians 5.22, peace means that tranquility of heart which derives from the all-pervading consciousness that our lives are in the hands of God. Our lives are in the hands of God. Uh, I have told you before that years ago when it was discovered that I had a particular type of cancer, I told you that I had peace. I had peace not because I knew how it would turn out. I, I knew of many different people who had died from the kind of cancer I had. They had died within six to eight months. I really didn't know how things were going to pan out for me. But I had peace because I knew my times, my life, was in the hands of the Lord. And I hope each one of you will find peace knowing that your times are in God's hands. I want to encourage some of you dear people right here in the sanctuary and others listening on the internet and by radio, I want to encourage you by reminding you that if, if by faith you belong to Jesus, your times are in good good hands. You're in God's hands. Amen? Amen. The third fruit of the Spirit uh, we want to focus on today is patience. Some of you are thinking, I wish he wouldn't talk about this, especially in light of what happened this past week, maybe. In your life, I mean, I don't know specifically what happened. But anyway, the fruit of the Spirit, says verse 22, is patience. The Holy Spirit produces patience. Now, years ago, <clears throat> the Greek word makrothumia, which is translated patience, 
was often translated long-suffering. Now, we don't use that word long-suffering very much in the English language anymore. Sometimes you'll see it in some of the older Bible translations, the older Bible translations from the Greek, okay? But the Greek word makrothumia describes the person who, in relation to those who annoy, do you know some people who annoy? Yeah, do you know some people who oppose you or bother you? Well, those are people you, you need to show and exercise patience with, all right? A patient person refuses to become easily angered. Are you aware? Are you aware of what God has been like towards you? and towards me. The Bible says God is patient with you and with me. Uh, listen to Romans 2, chapter 2, verse, verse 4. Read it with me. Don't you realize how kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Don't you realize how kind and tolerant and patient, P-A-T-I-E-N-T, is with you? The Apostle Paul was deeply touched by God's patience. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. Read it with me from the big screen. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I was the worst of them all. But that is why God had mercy on me, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. Wow. There are so many situations where we need to practice patience, aren't there? Recently, nearby here, I was at the traffic light, and uh, the cars were stopped going the other way. They were stopped. And I watched, I watched and heard a lady, a lady, honking her horn, honking her horn, even though she could easily see that the driver ahead of her simply had nowhere to go. I mean, sometimes, you know, you can't see ahead, but, but the way the cars were positioned, I could tell that she could easily see that the traffic was just backed up, uh, tied up, and there was no way, no way the person ahead of her could move and yet this dear, wonderful, marvelous lady was honking away, honking away, as if the person ahead of her could do something about it. And I, I said to myself, lady, why? Why are you honking your horn when you can see that the person ahead of you has absolutely nowhere to go? 
Now that's, that's the kind of thing that sometimes causes road rage. And I, I used to think, I used to think it was mainly men who did this kind of stuff, who honked their horn. But you know, sometimes I hesitate, I might hesitate when the light changes. Sometimes, you know, the light changes green and, and, and sometimes I, I, you know, I like a different shade of green before I start. And, <laughs> and the person behind me will honk, will honk. And, and I take a quick look and, and so often, guess what? It's a lady. <laughs> now, Pastor Lisa would never do that. Okay, ladies, ladies, I understand. It, it's done probably even more by men. So don't, don't send me nasty notes about this, okay? Don't send me nasty notes. That's all right. I'm not, I'm not saying anything really negative about you women. I'm just, I, I, I'm, you know, I just, I, I used to think that women would be more angelic in their driving. Well, I've learned otherwise. Right? Well, I want to tell you the story of a New York City taxi driver. This uh, New York City taxi driver wrote the following after a very unique experience one day. taxi driver says, I arrived at the address and honked the horn. After waiting a few minutes, I honked again. Since this was going to be my last ride of my shift, I thought about just driving away, but instead I put the car in park and walked up to the door and knocked. Just a minute, answered a frail elderly voice. I could hear something being dragged across the floor, he says. After a long pause, the door opened. A small woman in her 90s stood before me. She was wearing a print dress and a pillbox hat with a veil pinned on it, like something out of a 1940s movie. By her side was a small nylon suitcase. The apartment looked as if no one had lived in it for years. All the furniture was covered with sheets. There were no clocks on the wall, no knickknacks or utensils on the counters. In the corner was a cardboard box filled with photos and glassware. Would you carry, would you carry my bag out to the car, she said to the taxi driver. I took the suitcase to the cab, then returned to assist the woman. She took my arm and we walked slowly towards the curb. She kept thinking, she kept thanking me for my kindness. It's nothing, I told her. I just try to treat my passengers the way I would want my mother to be treated. Oh, you're such a good boy, she said. When we got in the cab, she gave me an address and then asked, could you drive through downtown? 
It's not the shortest way, I answered quickly. Oh, I don't mind, she said. I'm in no hurry. I'm on my way to the hospice. I looked in the rearview mirror. Her eyes were glistening. She said, I don't have any family left, she continued in a soft voice. The doctor says, I don't have, I don't have very long to live. I quietly reached over and shut off the meter. What route would you like me to take, I asked. For the next two hours, we drove through the city. She showed me the building where she had once worked as an elevator operator. We drove through the neighborhood where she and her husband had lived when they were newlyweds. She had me pull up in, one, in, in front of a furniture warehouse that had once been a ballroom where she had gone dancing as a girl. Sometimes she'd ask me to go slow in front of a particular building or corner and would sit staring into the darkness saying nothing. As the first hint of sun was creasing the horizon, she said, I'm tired. Let's go now. We drove in silence to the address she had given me. It was a low building, like a small convalescent home with a driveway that passed under a portico. Two orderlies came out to the cab as soon as we pulled up. They must have been expecting her. I opened the trunk and took the small suitcase to the door. The woman was already seated in a wheelchair. How much do I owe you? She asked, reaching into her purse. Nothing, no, nothing, I said. Oh, you have to make a living. She answered. There are other passengers, I responded. Almost without thinking, I bent over and gave her a hug. She held onto me tightly. You gave an old woman a little moment of joy, she said. Thank you, thank you. I squeezed her hand and then walked into the dim morning light. Behind me, a door shut. It was the sound of the closing of a life. I didn't pick up any more passengers that shift. I drove aimlessly, lost in thought. For the rest of that day, I could hardly talk. What if, what if that woman had gotten an angry driver or a driver who was impatient, impatient to end his shift? What if I had refused to take the run or had honked once, then driven away? What if she got someone?
who had not been patient. On a quick review, on a quick review, he says, I don't think that I have done anything more important in my life. We're conditioned to think that our lives revolve around great moments. We're conditioned to think that our lives revolve around great moments. But great moments often catch us unaware, beautifully wrapped in what others may consider a small moment. That taxi driver's great moment. And as he said, what may have been the most important thing he ever did in his life came about because of his patience. I wonder, I wonder what small moment in your life, in your life up there in the balcony. I wonder, radio listeners, what small moment will turn into a big moment as you and I live out the fruit of the Spirit, which is patience. And so, my friends, my wish and my prayer for each one of us is to experience more and more the reality of Galatians 5.22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Say it with me. Love joy, peace, patience. Let's pray. Dear Lord, produce this beautiful fruit in each one of us, in the younger ones, the teens, the adults, older adults, it really doesn't matter what age we're at. Your word pertains and impacts all of us. Lord, may you, by your Holy Spirit this week, work more and more, creating, producing love, joy, in beautiful ways. Produce in us peace and patience that is precious. And we will give you thanks and praise 
And the good news is other people will give you thanks and praise for seeing in us love, joy, peace, and patience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.